0: Welcome, welcome, one and all, to episode forty-seven. Oh, I understood that reference, Rob. How are you, my friend?
1: Hello. Oh, hello. Uh, I'm I'm doing great. Uh, just just uh, back down off the high that was uh, love weekend, the sexiest weekend of the year. I'm just kidding. The sexiest weekend of the year is Easter.
0: Because <laughs> of <they're> the eggs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh Jesus! Oh, that's that's <laughs> disgusting. Rob, Rob, <laughs> this is amazing that you said that. Because Uh-oh. this is something that, that, that... So me and Rob, obviously, were, were chatting a bit before we recorded here. And I ended up crying and laughing talking about a YouTube channel. But <laughs> I, I didn't... I I'll reveal that YouTube channel later on. I didn't reveal my ace in the card. What I'm now going to do, because he said... You know, you said Easter is the, the sexiest time of year. And Valentine's just went past and all that. You know, the time oh, for yeah, giving, like giving and receiving presents. But, Rob like last year at some point i told you that i bought you a chocolate bar with your name on it do you remember this <laughs> i
1: i actually i do remember that you you said you bought it but it was in your house and you never you forgot to send it to me or give it to me or something was am i, am I along the right lines here is that what's happening
0: yeah so essentially the lockdown happened and yada 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 we haven't got to see each other and blah 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 so Obviously, I have not had an opportunity to to give you said bar. And sending a bar to, to London when I'm in Ireland seems seems a bit like it's going to cost me money that I don't want to pay for a chocolate bar with your name on it.
1: <laughs> it's overkill. There, there, there will be Brexit tax implications as well that you don't want to incur. That's also one thing I would say chocolate tax
0: <laughs> now it's gonna get ch- caught at the, at, at the bloody whatever in cargo and is never going to see the light of day if i try to but at christmas i was gonna send it to you and instead i sent beer because it was easier but yesterday or <laughs> right, i went to have a look at the chocolate bar to be like oh better just check that chocolate bar is still there it was out of date six months ago <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and the fucking furore around this chocolate bar like i mean i mean i would have been like oh fair enough it's only just going to a date but that's 6 months <laughs> i should have i didn't even question that actually as you were talking about that there i thought you were teening up to be like and if you open your door the chocolate bar will be waiting for you outside that's what i was kind of expecting oh god no
0: i'm actually still tempted to send it to you. and you're just going to be like oh, i didn't realize it was white chocolate and i'm like it's not <laughs> yeah. it's just that gone off like
1: it's just this moldy brick just arise at the door i'm like ah oh. throw it in the press anyway just in case yeah, There's 2021 is going great so far. <laughs> I mean, sort of. Sort of <laughs> is right. And with that
0: chocolate bar story, I guess we should actually do a podcast. Because we do I'm... a podcast about like movies and games and comics and stuff. So so we should probably do that. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's dive in.
0: So so today, um, we're going to have a little bit of a brief discussion about Rick and Morty, uh, some fun things about that. And that's pretty much all I have on, on the old slate. But I think Rob has one or two things as well to talk about. But before he does... Oh, oh, okay. Before he does. Because this is something that I wasn't going to bring up, and everybody would have been happier if I had not. But Rob <laughs> texted me earlier today, and of course, started me yet again down the trail of thought... And this is a public service announcement, more than anything else, Rob. Now, I didn't again tell you what it was beforehand, but I'm assuming you know what I'm talking about. So, do you want to talk about it? I,
1: I do. Yeah, let's chat about it very briefly. Go for it. Oh, come on, light the fire.
0: The Justice League Snyder cut is almost <laughs> upon us, Rob. And isn't that just isn't that just isn't that just great? Just oh, great news, isn't it?
1: Oh, the thrill, the thrills I'm feeling. Such excitement, much wonder. And puzzlement. Ah, oh, yeah. I mean, we have to address the Jared Leto-shaped elephant in the room. God, the internet is ablaze over the last few hours. And, God, the excitement around what is ostensibly a complete rehash of something that was already bad. You and I, were I get this earlier, and we've said, we've, we've God, we've talked about this ad nauseum. But I think you and I are just, the more sort of positivity we see directed towards this and the, the more it builds to this crescendo of what will almost certainly be disappointment I think you and I kind of react conversely we, we go the opposite direction and I uh, like it, it <laughs> the swells of anger that come almost yes. monthly now every time they mention this this Zack Snyder uh, cut of Justice League is amazing what are your initial thoughts on the latest trailer because that's what happened they released another weird four by three ratio trailer i don't know why it's in that format i i assume that's not how the actual film is going to be released but
0: two things that i have to say about it and one technically is what you're going to say about it because you sent me in a text earlier and it elucidated so perfectly the way (laughs) i feel about this movie say it i want you to say it because you wrote the text i just you could almost read that text again but you know what it is but the first thing i want to say and it's about justice league the, obviously the original version that was released it's like that film happened and everybody watched it and at the end of Wayne's World when the guys are like hey this isn't the way we want this to go and it just goes back in time and happens again you can't just do a redo let's just do it again it happened let's just I know. start it again that's, that's, you can't do that I, I know
1: I totally agree that's a great comparison by the way that's a great reference I understood that reference. I mean, I'll I'll add my shtick to it. And I've kind of said this in various forms over the years at this point, since we've kind of had a sense that this is coming. Um, But I think ultimately what I've realized that's absolutely pissing me off about this whole charade is that, you know, they're acting like this is the salvation of what was always going to be this incredible movie. But my issue is is that they completely fucked this DC universe from the beginning. Look, from the beginning, Man of Steel... I will begrudgingly admit is not fantastic and a lot of people say it's terrible. The Batman for Superman like almost universally loaded, except for then suddenly this dark web of Batman vs Superman fans that came out of the woodwork when people started criticizing it. Like where the hell were they when the movie wasn't making money? And then and, and now they go to Justice League and it then it gets to that point and you know, all the preceding films were, were should have been warning signals that this was gonna happen. But it ends up being a disaster because they realized that nobody liked the dark, cool, trendy tones they were going for with J- Batman of Steel and Batman vs Superman. So they pivoted hard to try and fix it for Justice League. And then that didn't fucking work either because it's bad from the beginning. So <laughs> then, then what happens is you get all these fans complaining and saying, this, this, is, what, <laughs> this is what we really <laughs> wanted. <laughs> this is what, so they're like, and then they're like, oh, well, here's, an extra, here's another 70 million. 70 million. Do you accept to fix what was already filmed and then they're passing it off as this original vision bullshit. Like, this is what we were always going to make. But my issue is that this is... If this is what they're always going to make, that was what people didn't like because it was going down this dark tone that people didn't like. Like, it's this cycle of you think you know what you want, what the fans want at this point, but really you're just pandering to a small group of people who don't really know what they're talking about. And, and, and like, yeah, you, it- you made the point then... You can't just get a redo and then claim like this is oh well forget about that other version that that doesn't really count no no you don't get a redo the same like if everybody got a redo then you could be sure George Lucas well he wouldn't give a shit but I'm sure a lot of people would have been like oh well if you gave George Lucas another crack at say the prequels he could have done so much so much more with them if he had you know if he had the hindsight to know how people would react to what he what he thought was like inventive at the time you know like there you you could pick any yeah. film. You could take, if you said to the director, what would you change if you were if you were given 70 million to go back and fix? They'd be like, Jesus Christ.
0: And and you were, giving, you were given an in infinite supply of, well, this is what I would have done, or this is a way to do it better. An infinite amount of them. You could release a version and then go, okay, I'll tweak it. Like, imagine if the guy who directed tour 2 was to go back now and be like,
1: oh, I'm just going to do it well, again. Yeah, he's... <laughs> like, you can't do that. The film is... <sighs> well yeah he just go now now that i know where the fans would like to see this go and now that i know what thor actually turned out to be like this is what i do with the film like it's so easy with hindsight to then like pass it off as this oh like you know we were curtailed back in the day but now that we got the information we needed now we know what we're making
0: now that we got the information we needed and 70 million more and got to release another version now we know what's gonna happen now i know what to do that's not fair
1: yeah and also quick fii it's going to take us four hours To justify the decision. Because that's how long the film is. Four hours. That's got to be a joke.
0: There's a a whole Jared Leto thing and he's the Joker. Because great. Everybody (laughs) loved Jared Leto as the Joker before, right? Which all of a sudden apparently they did because everybody's loving him on Twitter. I just... It just baffles. It's... It's the creation. There's like a void. They've created, like, hype from an absolute void. I just don't get it. And I don't like talking about it too much because I come across like this. But I'm trying to do a public service announcement. They've made two awful, like, well, again, Man of Steel has has a place in my heart, like we said. But... Batman Superman is atrocious, and everybody hated it. So don't all of a sudden pretend the Zack Snyder Justice League is like the the hero we need and the hero we deserve. It's like, what are you talking about? You all hated <laughs> it know. like five, I, six I, well, years ago. Like,
1: ah, <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Uh, we, 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 well, that's a, that's we've said. We've made our bit. We've made our case. We said it. Yeah,
0: line in the sand. lying in the sand.
1: I, I and look. That's just what it is. Where every time people like like praise this i'm gonna and it's funny the reason i got so riled up by this today is because a friend of mine texted me as well and said holy shit have you seen this new justice league thing i, I didn't realize they're making another one this looks incredible i'm like oh listen hold on like i was just like okay brace yourself because i'm about to send you <laughs> and i gave him the whole spiel over text i was like this is why i'm sour about this and he was like i just i just thought the trailer looked cool i was like all right fair enough but still Oh, Steppenwolf is
0: pointier. Oh, fantastic. 70 million well spent, lads. Uh, here,
1: maybe you can explain this to me because I'm very confused by it. What's the whole thing about some, the Joker finally said we live in this society? Can you explain this to me? What's going on there? So at the end of the trailer, it goes to Jared Leto. He's inexplicably there, by the way. So this also lends the fact you're like, you're, to the fact that you're saying it's not fair for them to get a redo. Yeah, of course it is because now he's decided to go back and add. It's not like he's cutting existing footage in a clever way or redoing just the effects he's up he's, he's going back and refilming loads of it which is massively cheating this isn't a director's cut this is basically a new film if you're gonna <laughs> just just get act, new actors to come in not well, new characters to come in and all that kind of stuff but people made a big deal about he said at the end we live in a society Blah 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 what's the deal there with the joker and that line what's going on
0: that session that future where obviously superman has gone bad remember it was like hinted at slightly in batman versus superman yeah so obviously they're in that future so i assume it's like even batman's had to side with the joker this is all just hearsay i don't even like speculating about it if i'm going to be honest because it just like i said to you in that text back You'd swear this was 17 films of narrative beforehand. It's all woven together wonderfully and impeccably. And the last film was Justice League and turned out to be crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But instead, it was three crap films with a crap (laughs) third film. And now it's like, do it again. (laughs) Do it, and everyone's like, "Yes, four hours." Of course, I want to see four hours of this absolute miserable shit. Look, I'm done. Anyway, let's move on because this. I will just rant. I will just rant for this entire episode.
1: Okay, I will. I can. I can pivot to something very quickly that I do want to get your opinion on because I think this is more open, interesting discussion. Let's do it. So Spike Lee has come out and said uh, that he'd be open to directing a Marvel movie, and he specifically said Marvel because he said to me, DC Comics were always corny. How do you write to that, Ross? yell bollocks. The old bollocks, <laughs> uh, do, uh, that, the, oh, the bollocks thing kind of cut me off guard <laughs> there.
0: You see, this is what I kind of laid out before, what I said about the DC characters are very supernatural. That might be the wrong word to use there. But is in their powers are very godly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's very hard. Yeah, it's very hard for a human relate exactly to superman because he's unstoppable he's unbeatable wonder woman is unstoppable and unbeatable like a lot of the characters are so overpowered that it's very hard for us to relate to whereas the marvel characters are a lot more human like i mean the the, the hawkeye series that's going to come out soon as far as i can see is essentially just going to be about him being a bit of a failure and kind of living a crap life from being hawkeye and cool stuff like that which is what i like I like a hero with weaknesses I like somebody I can relate to so I think that's kind of what he's angling is similar to what I've been saying. not that I'm saying Spike Lee says that Ross Chapman <laughs> is right
1: I mean he did say that it's it's written <laughs> there in the interview it says that he, yeah, I was going to get to that point that's why I asked you I was going to say like because, yeah, Spike Lee is your claim that you're saying all these things you better get back to him but do uh, but you think so okay fair enough that, that's a good answer but do you think his style would suit a Marvel film though if even because you know Sometimes they've brought in directors from like indies and sort of smaller budget stuff, and it's worked. Other times, if they probably had a lot of handholding, and you get something that's kind of very meh, like I don't know Captain Marvel or something, where yeah, these indi- indie directors who have great potential, but it doesn't translate to this big ten pole thing. So I'm just curious what your thoughts are. And if he could direct a movie, who well, would he direct?
0: See, and of course we've seen the uh, the Edgar Wright situation yeah. where Edgar Wright came in and if someone's too creative because it was interesting because they came out with this thing the other day which is like this is how we do it where we have everything like video storyboarded with CGI graphics down to the like a minutia of a scene so almost everything is pre-planned in advance and now James Gunn came out and said like oh no the directors have lots of hand in it as well they definitely do get to later their stamp on it and some random Twitter guy responded and said oh I wonder does Edgar Wright have any thoughts <laughs> on this to which Edgar Wright responded to him and simply said yes oh wow <laughs> so obviously those films even like i mean i know people said and I, I myself like you look at thor ragnarok and there is taika Waititi's indelible mark on that movie but at the same time i do think there must be i mean maybe storyboard in advance with the director's style in mind so that maybe the director comes on and is like yeah that is oh this is very similar to what i had where it might actually just be an almost people a committee a being a director's style as opposed to the other way around so i wonder would that be the case here where somebody like like spike lee would come in start director film get into it and then be like oh wait a second this is already like a committee has decided mm. how my films should go
1: yeah i know what you mean i think that's a fair point about like if we were to take you know taika taika ytt as an example i always see him as you know he's the director and everything I, I i think he was brought in to deal with like the character interactions and the fun moments there but to your point there was always a larger marvel plan around you know how the superheroes would interact how thor is going to deal with the hulk and how that tees up infinity war and all that kind of stuff so he I and mean, he was never going to have a say over that direction of the story so they bring him in just to put his, his stamp on the humor and the the character interactions and some of the dialogue and some of the that's that's where they like that's where you specifically see the director's style. But a lot of it is definitely yeah. decided in like a pre-production stage, without probably the director even getting a say in it. And then you know even the the post where they're doing like effects and styling, and you know a yeah. lot of that will be like, look, you know, we hired you to, to to direct it. You know, get this stuff on set, get some good, get some good scenes with the cast and crew. And like, you can be sure there's pride in some of these directors, particularly James Gunn, who probably is more of an exception to the to the rule than most. To be like, oh no no, like I really got to lay down the law, like what I wanted but it's objectively not true when you have the Ant-Man case because if you did really give a director free reign like a, a, an anchor right then you would have a different movie and I understand that they do have to curtail certain things because there's big cinematic universe but that's also what makes me think of you know Spike Lee has a really distinct approach to things so w- would he be willing to make those you know those concessions in the interest of a larger cinematic beast i don't know but i think he could have fun with someone very obscure or someone random in the same way like the guardians
0: but someone like blade oh that could be fun that
1: could be very fun
0: because that's the, the kind of the one that i was thinking of that it like because blade even in the comics very rarely interacts with much of the larger marvel universe he'll be in a few spider-man comics maybe the odd punisher comic and things like that but he tends very much so to keep on his own he was like in recent years in the last like seven or eight years he became an avenger for a while but and he even wore like a, a absolutely ridiculous spider-man okay. costume but again that was very short-lived oh yeah it's awful but other than that he pretty much keeps to himself so i think he they, they could give him a film like that whereas it wouldn't necessarily infringe on a lot of the rest of the marvel mm-hmm. universe and even the james gunn uh, example you use there like they gave him an unknown property in Guardians, exactly. which if it went to, went to shit, they could have just been like, grand, nobody cares about the Guardians. Instead, he made his own beast, and they were like, oh, now we have to almost integrate Guardians much more in the comics world with the Avengers, so it'll make sense when we bring them in in the films.
1: Yeah, no, I told him. and to be fair, because they were so far removed, even geographically, that if Guardians was a complete flop... It doesn't matter. You can just forget about it. They don't need to ever join the Avengers or meet up with the other characters.
0: No yeah. harm, no you, foul. Done. So he
1: had that kind of free reign just as a result. You know, that was just a result of, I guess, the characters he was dealing with. Interesting observations. Yeah, I just thought I'd bring it up. I thought it was interesting that because he strikes me as the kind of guy that probably would be against those big superhero machines. But then maybe there's... Yeah. But now probably as they've matured and some of them have got their own distinct styles, a little bit, maybe that. Maybe he's like, I'm going fancy taking a crack at one of those. Maybe he sees it as a... As a challenge, but then again, he probably has other interesting projects that people would just prefer he focus on. <laughs> quite
0: frankly, as was that, I doubt he's short. Yeah, of, short uh,
1: of work of challenges to take on. Yeah. Okie dokie. Do we address the other piece of garbage? <laughs> <I> hit the. <laughs> <I> hit the. <laughs> I mean, it just it just released, so why not? I mean, I mean, finally, we're on. We're we're up to date on something in terms of you know talking about it. And um, look, I'll we'll keep this tr- as short and sweet as we can um or as cruel and bitter as we can jesus christ Yay. so there was a there was Yay. a cruella Deville trailer. trailer was just called cruella some disney film coming out starring emma stone a yeah, prequel to i guess 101 dalmatians i guess is what's happening i mean i i guess yeah uh, i don't know if it if it's a prequel to the older ones or if they're planning on remaking I mean, they probably are. That that just hit me how much money they feel they probably can make from that. But uh, Emma Stone, 1970s London. Terrible accent. (laughs) Terrible accent. (laughs) So why is this being made? What's going on? Why do they think this is what people want to see? Honestly. This
0: this film is being made because the Joker won loads of Oscars <laughs> and made lots of money. So, there essentially the trailer is just it's just and everybody says this. So, it's going be like it's going to be a terrible like good, good observation, Ross. But it is. It just looks like the Joker trailer. Even like I was watching it and I felt like it was set in. In Gotham, there's a, there's a scene at the end of the trailer where there's like a house on fire and it looks like Wayne Manor on fire from the end of Batman Begins. Man, it,
1: I think that's the same building that they use for Wayne Manor in the Batman Begins film, at least.
0: It's the same footage, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> the verse, yeah. like... It's, I don't know, nice. it just, it's really weird because, like, I know there obviously they had uh, Angelina Jolie uh, a few years ago. What's that called? Ah, Maleficent. Maleficent. And that did pretty well. And so but it's just like, it just seems... This almost seems redundant because of that, because it seems to to maybe go across a very, a lot of the same lines and repeat the same kind of things. So, and we know, we know where she ends up, obviously, but like, did anybody, again, I know I always ask this question when we talk about these things, but did anybody sit back and go, do you know who I want to know? I want to know how she got to be here. Is that, is that. What, for like a kid's movie. Our it's, a, it's,
1: uh. it's a villain for a kid's property. Called Cruella. Yeah, it's not like they're sitting there going, Gosh, I wonder how she, she became this evil lady with the dogs. What the... Yeah, like, why would that be the... like? Why?
0: Fuck the dogs. Where did she get to be like this?
1: Yeah, fuck, the, fuck the dogs. <laughs> Spotty bastards. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it says it all as well. Like, I watched it on that movie clips, trailers, channel or whatever it's just the one i happen to watch it on and it says a lot about what the perceived response or what they're expecting people to say when they disable the comments for a film trailer
0: oh no way oh wow wow so i'd
1: say some vile you know i'd say the yeah. internet delivered in spades in the comment section in that one anyway
0: i'd, I'd say the comment section was pretty spotty
1: oh uh, yeah at best <laughs>
0: It was pretty vile. Sorry, I was trying to get filled.
1: <laughs> I just realized I'd I couldn't. Say, That's say, stretching it. I'd say it was so stinky with rancid comments, there was a massive pongo coming from the old comments section. Am I right?
0: I don't get that joke.
1: That's a deep cut. <laughs> such a fucking God. stupid
0: joke. Uh, hands on my hand. I just I just don't get that joke. <laughs>
1: pongo. That's the name of one of the dogs in the in the movie.
0: Well, there. i just, I I've just shown my movie ignorance by not getting that.
1: <laughs> that's not right it's not very good actually do you know what? I'm sorry I actually have a soft spot for the live action one it's got fucking Jeff Daniels as as the American who has the dog and then
0: I was about to I was about to be like wait a second there's a live action version but there was a live action version released a few years ago right yeah
1: and Glenn Close was Cruella and she was brilliant so why would they possibly want to why
0: would they
1: they're just gonna ruin it <laughs> It's ah, going
0: to be like a like a post credits Jeff Daniels scene when he yeah. walks up and picks up a dog. <laughs> exactly. I just. I just. I'd love to just watch that trailer and then put on the original Hundred and One Dalmatians cartoon and be like, "Wait a second, what?
1: <laughs> what happened there?" It just. It's just one of these things. That they, they. They feel like. Oh, wouldn't it be interesting to explore this villain's past? But the the villains from Disney films are often. They're pretty. Paper thin in terms of <laughs> they're just evil people. There's not like they, not like they're these conflicted individuals. Or you don't even have to make it that way. That that's how they got to this point.
0: One might say that's the point of Disney villains.
1: Yeah, exactly. That they're just bad, and it justifies the good guys winning. So yeah. now they're what they're going to try and give her like this. Like here's my point. It's like what are they trying to accomplish with the story? Like are they going to see like is she going to be good and then she's corrupt? That doesn't seem to be the case. So they're just making a film about a bad person. So you're going to go in hating this person and she finishes the villain, villain and you're, the movie finishes and you're sitting there going, yeah, no, I was right. Yeah, no, I hate this person. This is a bad person.
0: Yeah, I mean, it just, it, just, it as I said, it just looks like the, 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 the Joker trailer and the occasional dog growling at her in it. That's essentially what the film looks like.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, shocking stuff, man. Shocking! St- Shocking stuff.
0: As I said, it's like even the Joker. I said was an unnecessary movie because it removes the mystique, and this is just a pastiche almost of the Joker.
1: Yeah. Like, okay. Fucking Bob Iger sitting in his room going, "Jesus, that Joker thing was a great idea, right?" Quick. You know what I need? More money. bitch me so What I need? <laughs> exactly. Right. Look,
0: Rob. Let's 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 oh, move man. on and go to our final section where we we'll just do a bit of a bit of an old discussion about a
1: show. Oh, Jesus. Sorry, I don't know why I reacted like that. But yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, that's what I meant to say. Called
0: Rick and Morty.
1: <laughs> Take it away, uh, you YRL bastard.
0: So, Rob, there's a, there's a few reasons, I guess, <laughs> I wanted to talk about this show. I walked down to the shop yesterday and I had a Rick and Morty mask on and, and somebody made a kind of a face on me. And then they kind of smiled and laughed and gave me a thumbs up, and I was like, ah, oh, that person's obviously either happy that I'm wearing a mask in the pandemic, or or presumably knows Rick and Morty and was like, ah, kindred spirit or whatever. So I was like, you know ah, what? Ah, fun. We 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 we've talked about we've maybe considered talking about Rick and Morty for a while now, and I said, sure, why not? Let's just let's just do it. Let's
1: just oh, do it. Okay. I'm suddenly very nervous, quaking in my boots.
0: I don't I don't see why. So. Uh, rob high level very high level your thoughts on rick and morty
1: why not why not why not throw them out there why not throw them out there now well my my thoughts are i think it's a really i think it's a clever very funny show that is a sign of the times it's a product of the of the era it was created in it's it's very meta it's that very kind of surrealist humor and absurdist humor that i certainly love and i know you like that as well and that is a very kind of millennial kind of You know 2010s onwards kind of a a humor that i think it's beholden onto the generation for which it is for which it is designed for from whence it came from whence it came but i think it's like i do think it's really fun i think there are some you know really clever kind of story structures that they that they kind of tease in all the episodes i like the way a lot of the episodes are kind of standalone there's a loose thread of continuity that they kind of reference but you don't need to worry about that you can actually just watch the episodes randomly and they're all a fun shtick Oftentimes, of an old action classic from like, or just a general film, but a lot of the time it's an old action classic that they're referencing from like the 80s and 90s, which is both cheeky in the sense that, like, hey, I mean, you're actually heavily leveraging a very successful old movie to help shape your story, but at the same time, you do play with the format in a fun way, which is also enjoyable, and I enjoy the references. Um, uh, I think overall it's a great show. I think the guys are savvy and they work hard at, you know, trying to make each season better than the next, at least up as far as season four, as far as I'm concerned. I will say it's already lost a bit of its sheen.
0: I'm so glad. Oh, okay, sorry.
1: (laughs) For me, (laughs) in the sense that I think it just reached its pinnacle very quickly because it's just, it's very well made. And I just, because... It, it had reached that so early even from season two onwards i was really really impressed by it and by season three i was like this show is just incredible that by the time i was watching season four i just felt genuinely less interested in each episode as it as it progressed and i didn't have the same hunger to watch get through that season as i had with other seasons and also the sheen is ruined for me a little bit because the, the fans are so fucking stupid in certain corners of the world <laughs> so um yeah i think on balance great show um <laughs> terrible fans <laughs> I, I'm, sorry that's not fair to everybody who loves it I just think people have as you have, used it as an excuse to act like idiots, harass people in public relate to what is clearly a guy who's an alcoholic and a troubled individual but then somehow think that he's this legend legendary hero and they're missing the point completely that it is a comment on the fact that he is objectively the bad guy and people will be drawn to him <laughs> anyway yeah. I, I don't know I yeah. I think that the, I think it's, it, it's interesting the reaction it got globally and and how uh, uh, probably a small subset of the fans reacted. That's what I will say.
0: So, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much... I guess that's my feelings on it as well because I, like, look, I am a... And I would have always described myself as a Rick and Morty kind of super fan, like, you know, absolutely love it. I have loads of Rick and Morty T-shirts. I have Rick and Morty socks that I am currently wearing. I have, again, a Rick and Morty face mask. And I'm one of these people that they've done that absolute shameless amount of merchandise and promotional material that they have out there which is is crazy goes to the extent of like like i imagine you could probably buy literally anything your heart can desire of rick and morty team you could get Uh, the show is excellent look it really is it's fantastic it's so funny it's it balances that line of very clever and doesn't make you feel stupid doesn't try and hold your hand too much but is also Mm. really whip smart there's so many jokes you don't get the first time you watch it, so many little like, kind of references and nuances, oh, 100%. along with kind of really really nice kind of character moments that you're like, okay, I'm, that's actually that kind of hit me almost in Bruges, like in the heart when I didn't expect to feel something by laughing. I almost and you are, and then you get sad when you expect to laugh, and that's very good and that's very very clever. But weirdly, and not ragging it because I've gone on my I've gone on record about how much I love Rick and Morty quite frequently but i think it's the same like it's it's i i now i now greet it with less fervor than i did before because the first two series were so phenomenally good there's bits in that sh- in those first two series that that baffle me how funny they are that plumbus. how do they do it scene sequence oh it's like God. a minute long i'm so glad you brought that up. It's, and it's so absurdly like you said of our generation humor that you could almost study it in the future in like classes about why why were those those people as mad as they were back then Oh well let me show you and like wheel down a projector and put on how to make a plumbus And everyone's like, oh, Christ. But by that stage, Rick and Morty so popular, there will actually be plumbuses lying around the place.
1: (laughs) This this is the point. Oh, you can buy them for real. You can buy tangible plumbuses. That's a weird sentence to say. Tangible plumbuses. (laughs) Well, that's the name of this episode. But, like, if you think about how, how comedy has, like, progressed and how, like, you take, we take examples of, like, the Charlie Chapman era and, like, that, you know, that kind of very physical, energetic kind of, Clever uh, humor and comedy style, where it, you know there's not really much sound to help you, so it's all sort of slapstick, sort yeah. of physical, and it's incredible physicality. So that's the snapshot you use from like you know the 30s and 40s. Is like <laughs> that's what comedy was like back I then. And then, you- and then and then and then you take the plumpus which is just by comparison, it is not a well worked choreographed piece of physical comedy. It's just they put a guy drunk in a recording booth yeah. and told him to just. Well, he- sorry, he wasn't drunk for that, but I don't think. But they literally said just for that episode that he was just riffing he was saying whatever came to his mind like there's 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 lines of that where just like first they take a bunch of slime and then they slime it over the dingle poop so this guy so this iconic comedy this iconic comedy moment that we have as our example is is just a guy riffing for a minute, and that's how much effort he put in, and this is how much we enjoy it.
0: And so, funnily, that that the whole episode is just a riff, and an, a person riffing in a sound booth, and animators animating to it, which is just again another level of sheer insanity, because it's just like like you said, you've come from this classic archetypical comedy where there is so much thought and effort and planning, and you're almost honing the exact type of humour, and then this guy walks in and just goes. Uh, and they get the slime and they drain it from the slime bus. And it's like, oh, this is amazing. It's so indicative. And I think the whole fan response as well that you brought up, and I know it was brought up by, by a, a, I put up a tweet say we're going to talk about this, and somebody, the kids what are you watching tonight put Pickle Rick, and somebody else, the that's hefty there, he said, uh, Oh, But fans, uh, why the improvised voice acting was pissed the animators off to no end and Szechuan sauce and why the fans have developed a pretty toxic level of elitist fandom. I think all that goes hand in hand with it. I think it's like you said, it's all a sign of our age where we are. Like... 100%. Like Rick and Morty has become an identity for some people. It's, bec- like it's a show that 20 years ago would have been on Channel 4 at 20 past 11 for five minutes would have been that five minute show for one series and then you never would have heard from it again and people would have been like oh wow did you see that show it's hilarious i, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, i talked about it before a show called garrett merengue's dark place
1: i knew you'd bring up and you bring it up and i've started re-watching that properly it's so it's, good but you know what i mean it's that's so it's, it's that's so that's code from the same that's good that's from the same vein 100 exactly. it's that it was the ahead, of ahead of its, of its time,
0: time. <laughs>
1: It's happening! Oh, it's happening! Actually,
0: <laughs> listen, Morty, we we we, we got to go back and watch. Got Meringue, Morty. I
1: can't do it. That's very good. That's that's a good impression, I must say. It's, but you're so right. It's like the the show is very aware. Like they're smart about like it's not like they created this comedy style. They knew viewers would respond to this because they themselves probably enjoyed the writers. And like to be fair, it's actually a pared down version of what was originally a very ugh, very viscerally graphic, weird show, sort of sketch thing that your man, Justin and put up on <laughs> YouTube. Doc and Marty. Yeah, it speaks volumes that people re- responded to it so much because they knew that this is what they were tapping into, this kind of fan base, this kind of humor is what was the zeitgeist at the time when they first created the show. So, like, it makes sense that it had the response that it did because they knew what they were doing. Like, they weren't stupid. It wasn't like they happened upon this humor style. They knew what they were creating, I feel. And, like... I, you can't discredit them because it's like it's unfair to say like that. You know, they improvised it so they didn't work hard in it. I just think that that's an example of that's all that it takes to, for something to be funny nowadays. It's just this weird zany improv, absurd improv. But at the same time, they cleverly identified how it would be funny to to make this a skit of a very famous Discovery Channel show called How It's Made. So like, <laughs> they, like oh, they no. combined the two very elegantly. I feel at the same time. I don't know. I think it's. But then of course you have iconic scenes like. <laughs> ants in my eyes johnson i'm
0: ants in my eyes johnson Which is i can't see anything here is this, is this cheap i don't know i, I can't see the price because i'm ants
1: in my eyes mm. johnson and i think people also just hold it up on such a pedestal it also is because you know it has that zany humor but then every now and again it hits you in the balls with this existential sort of criticism or like this analysis of really we're just wasting our, our our own lives just doing the 95 or you know we're we're you know we're just part of this endless cycle of dread or something and it, you know and it suddenly just hits you with these kind of observations out of the blue and i think people find that i think they probably lend i mean i i think it's interesting i think it's more a comment on society than this incredibly intellectual analysis but people i think give it that extra bit of credit because they dare to say yeah. I guess what, what some might think is a bit of a radical kind of observation yeah
0: I, like I actually agree I don't like everybody puts assigns this like intellectual side to it and I don't actually think it has that I just think no. it says more about the mundanity and kind of absurdity of normal life than a exactly. lot of people ever would it's, it's interesting because you said exactly what I want to say next actually about how it marries that style perfectly and I think that's because the creators Justin Ryland and Dan Harmon like it it so so Justin Ryland on his own, I think like you said, that Doc and Marty stuff and he did work before that I don't want to talk about because I don't like it. I think it's really too graphically out there and too far extreme that it's like, well that's not funny, that's just crazy and, and messed up and I don't like it. But
1: Yeah, that's that's like something that he's clearly just trying to generate a reaction. Like that's oh, yeah, not entertaining. Yeah. It's yeah.
0: But he marries that with Dan Harmon's more sort of emotion laden style. Like if you watched, again, Community was created by Dan Harmon and it's very, it's incredible. I love that show, but it's very similar to Rick and Morty. And actually as the series goes on, the fifth and sixth series of Community, they're so like Rick and Morty with the type of jokes they tell and the kind of somberness and that kind of absurd, like mundanity reality comes in a lot. But, At the the same time, it keeps the heart that Dan Harmon knows his shows have, and he wants them to have. So they have this, like, relatability, and you care about the characters, and the characters grow and they develop. Now, back to what we were saying earlier, but the problem, I guess, is that because series one and two had so much development, I think three and four almost lagged a little bit because they didn't push the characters as far as the first two series did Mm. but again the nature of cartoons mean you can't really do that all the time you know
1: yeah it's harder for it to like the 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 growth is always going to seem less obvious because at least in a show like say community that goes over what was it seven or eight seasons six like
0: six seasons in a movie Oh, is that what it was? Well, there's no movie, oh. but that's that. That's what they said. It's, the sixth series oh. was released on uh, on Yahoo, and then instantly shut down the entire service and bankrupted the company. So, well, there you go. It's oh, still good, wow. though. It's still really good.
1: <laughs> I thought it was more season season six, but fair enough. I didn't realize that. Oh my gosh! But I think it's that element of like, even with a, as a show goes on, the characters, like the actors, age that are playing exactly. them, and and you know they 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 keep up with like they they grow with the modern styles or kind of whatever happening in the world right now so that kind of plays a part so you know it's progressing whereas a cartoon will always can often just like the simpsons for example it just always looks the same so it's harder to get that sense of tangible you know, growth and evolution and stuff in an in unless they deliberately do that in the animation like with intention yeah. but um whereas it just happens as a consequence of time <laughs> uh good old aging uh, in good like the, the the live action stuff but yeah, I think it's it's a
0: great show. The, the one other thing I would say is that it, it is interesting that you see the guys working separately and then you see them together in Rick and Morty and why it's a match made in heaven. Because Justin Royland, I thought it before he did a game, a VR game called Trover Save the Universe. <laughs> I, I played it. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's, hilarious like.
1: it's mental, but it's it's great for that reason. And actually yeah. his his wacky style can suit a game like that because it no. doesn't have to be as structured.
0: Exactly. It's like that that style of, and all these characters are in the VR world walking around you and they're just ad-libbing. So it's just all these characters around you, ad-libbing absolute madness. And like, it's just hilarious and has that like weird kind of half grotesque, half bums farting and shitting and testicles. And it's like that juvenile, but also kind of funny stuff. And it's perfect for a game like that because it's like also really bright and like vibrant and it's fun and you feel in the world but I think for the TV show it does need that emotional connection that Dan that, that Dan Harmon brings to it which again his community leanings which if you haven't watched community folks and you're like Rick and Morty watch community but yeah I was going to say you're going to say our funniest moments I off the, the top off the cuff just completely off the cuff top three Rick and Morty funny moments in my head I'm just going to say them as I randomly think of them number one <laughs> Number one, that goddamn episode where the, the parasite, the memory parasites are there. And he's just oh. like, photography raptor. I, I just, <laughs> I showed that to my, to my mother once over Christmas a few years ago. And honestly, she was almost like calling for psychiatric help. When I was like, look, photography raptor.
1: <laughs> I, I, I totally agree with you on that one. That episode is extraordinary. That it, It's amazing. It's got, it's got loads of moments that's that movie is really it's one of those really sort of self-contained satisfying episodes where as it resolved itself you peg what's going on yeah just 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 as it's revealed kind of how the whole thing works so
0: it just keeps just enough ahead of you yeah
1: yeah and then it unravels and it's like pff, that was that's some good shit and because the characters become they obviously had a load of fun just coming up with how like they knew how daft they were making some of these imaginary characters um, what was that one called, by the way? Total Recall, was it?
0: Oh, t- listen, you're you're asking
1: me about names, Na- names. I don't because Pen Sylvester is the one. I'm t- about
0: <laughs> oh, Pen Sylvester, yes. I'm sorry, Pen Sylvester,
1: because <laughs> there's a bit where like <laughs> he's just like it's like oh tuxedo baby, he he was wait he wasn't real. He yeah. was the best man at my yeah, wedding. wedding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there's so many bits in that episode that I could talk about. But number two, number two, yes funniest Rick and Morty moments, is it's, it's again, when they use that really emotional beat and then offset it. So all, it's in the Citadel, or that, that yeah, the Citadel of Rick's world where it's like all about where that Morty runs for president against all the other Ricks. And it's part of the end where there's like all the guys get together and it's a it's a stand-by-me movie riff. And one of the kids jumps off and he's like, you know what? I'll sacrifice myself to change the world. And he's like, they meet this kind of portal thing. And he jumps in and he's like, it's a really somber moment. And then like a voiceover just goes, you know, trash compactor beginning now. When you hear this like Pfft, fart moment <laughs> and it just undercuts it perfectly. It's just so <laughs> funny. And I remember always finding that funny because the rest of the episode is is kind of dramatic and serious.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. I don't remember that. That one, that one doesn't jump out as me vividly, but I know the episode you're talking about for sure.
0: Yeah, I, ju- I just love that moment. But then the last one, of course, then, would be the plumbus because I think that is outrageous when i saw it first i was i mean you know like earlier when you were t- we were talking about that video i was bent over double laughing it was one of those moments
1: <laughs> i couldn't believe I was- when that came on i was like no they're not they're not doing this are they they're n- it's how it's made it's how stuff's made that's <laughs> what we're watching here and as <laughs> the,
0: the pro- <laughs> as the process
1: progressed i was like this is this is incredible stuff and there's something oddly <laughs> satisfying about the way he said certain words like where he goes first you take the doobelbop and then you take a bunch of shleem and of course and they, they remove the-, the shleem
0: the shleem
1: <laughs> and they've got this whole process animated can you imagine being an animator been handed this description and you're like right guys animate this yeah. <laughs> some guys are like sorry what's a shleem <laughs>
0: yeah. like, do you, you- realise the work that goes into how much I have to do here do it <laughs>
1: We're already overworked and underpaid as it is, but even then we get descriptions of what we're doing. This is insane. <laughs> oh, no, like the, the Plumbus for me is absolutely one of my, it probably is my top moment because I. it's the one I definitely probably reference the most. And it's one of those one of those examples of, I can always sort of, it's almost like a good litmus test for some, whether somebody will enjoy Rick or Morty. <laughs> yeah, you, the, <laughs> you send them the Plumbus clip and if they respond by saying that's incredible, then you're like, all right, we'll just watch the whole show because you're going to enjoy the show. There's enough in there for you to enjoy. But the, um, obviously so if they don't. Like, and I remember I popped that into like a, <laughs> I don't think there's something else. But uh, if you pop, I popped it into like a WhatsApp group and I just got this amazing response that I wasn't expecting. I was like, oh, well, I guess you just have to watch the whole show then. But everybody was just really responding to this, the, <laughs> the language in it. Shaleem
0: and. Shaleem and dingle And yeah, because it's just so, <laughs> it's so base, the humor, but it's so, it's so finely tuned.
1: It weirdly resonates with people, though. Yeah. Oh, that's, you've, you've nailed it. It's basic, but they've really honed in on what they're on that, on the funny aspect of that basic humor. That's why it works.
0: So, so despite the fact he's talking about Shalim and Fingleberries, it's done in that pasty style so, I mean, as an ad lib, but so well that you're like, anybody can get the joke
1: exactly anybody can enjoy that which is why I always kind of disagree when people say oh it's very intellectual it's very specifically not it's very specific it's- and in- intentionally not yeah because they want people to. Be- if-, if they were like let's make this really intellectual show who the fuck's gonna watch that Exactly. The reason it has an audience is because everybody can enjoy it. And and they've gone out of their way. They've gone out of their
0: way to show disdain for those type of fans. They made a whole episode about how coming up with fan theories is a terrible idea and removes the kind of narrative strain from the show. So like come on. (laughs) I know I know.
1: Okay, I'll definitely say the um the I think anything from that Internet Dimensional Cable too is just that's an incredible episode. But obviously the plumbus, the plumbus is the is the is the real star of the show there it's a cherry on top of what is an incredible episode I also love the little bits ad that's in there
0: I said that (laughs) at at the last podcast we did it's in there you were like let's do a little bit of news and I went little bits it came out really well on the microphone when I listened back so there you
1: go (laughs) call back to last episode folks I I didn't even pick that up I just (laughs) love that again it's that really absurd humour it's like little bits I gotta get me this this, come on over a little (laughs) bit come down and get your little bits and it's a big head, little mouth. It's incredible. The guy he's in the cubicle, the toilet. <laughs> he
0: comes out, little bits, little bits. <laughs> it's
1: so weird. In the way that I find the plumbus satisfying, that bit makes me feel uneasy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that's why it's good. It's why it's funny.
1: That's <laughs> oh, so that's that's good. If I were to think right off the top of my head, there's one point I always reference. I love, um Vindicators Three. And I know that that's one of the episodes that Dan Harmon specifically hates because it doesn't follow his hero's journey structure, whatever it is.
0: The the story circle, yeah.
1: The story circle, it doesn't follow the story circle, but I do think there's some jokes in there that are incredible. And like a lot of them are throwaway jokes. Like, did did he just say he always remembers a kid? You know, that kind of... It's stuff like that that are just chucked in there, that, which is, that's symptomatic of all of Rick and Morty. But the bit where he... But there's two... (laughs) There's one key joke in there, which I love, where you just were... Uh, million ants makes a comment around. I think he escaped through yeah. the uh, <laughs> elevated shaft, and then it, Rick just goes, "Look at this, ladies and gentlemen, a million ants with the power of two human eyes."
0: Yes. <laughs> it's just it's incredible. That because that episode, like you said, is filled with so many of those. Like they're not even big moments, but they're so good. And everybody obviously did the kind of the main joke from the episode. One of my favorite gifts when he's like, "This guy gets it." God damn!
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Noob noob, noob noob.
0: I'll always <laughs> love you, noob noob. And a great circle back moment to it as well, obviously. And also a voice cast: Christian Slater, and um, obviously uh, Britta Perry is the character from Community. Is is the the, the female character whose name I can't remember from it. So it's great cast mm. in that episode as well.
1: Oh, it's like it's great cast. And it's just, uh, oh, it's just, it's just a lot of fun. I think there's just a lot of th- throwaway jokes. Like, we're just like, oh, wow, ladies and gentlemen. The ghost guy would have <laughs> summoned the ghost train. The ghost train. <laughs> like, he's just pissing people off for the whole thing. Like, there's just a lot of little touches like that that I think are super clever. I also, when I want to think of my third moment. So, I'm th- thinking Plumbus. I like I like Million Ants. I think that's very funny. But I also love the bit where, or what's, what's the one where what episode does summer get turned gi- gigantic what, what what episode is that
0: Ooh, i uh, that i don't think that is pickle rick is it
1: maybe maybe that's not pick no sorry because they were they're sorry they're in the therapists What's susan sarandon no less yes and she's more
0: more than one episode in it god i actually can't i don't know but i think i think i know the part you're going to say so go go ahead and say it there
1: but basically anyway there's this gigantifying machine or whatever and and um uh, summer uses it to augment some of her physical attributes goes awry so beth tries to help fix it so she there's a there's a tech support number in the back of this machine and she rings yes it. i use this is, <laughs> yes and, uh, and there's this little panel there's this panel of lads just like what look like they're at a call center tech a tech support center and one of the mans on the phone said okay yes ma'am yes can you can you so what model do you have okay yeah yeah okay so if you look down on the left hand <laughs> side of the panel there should be a little Little, little panel door that you can open, and she goes, "Yes, yes, I see that." He said, "Okay, if you could open that, please." She opens it, and <laughs> then the three guys run out. Yeah. takes <laughs> a are hidden in the machine. Yeah. And the, I remember I was watching that with my roommate at the time when we were, and that joke, that little bit, really caught us off guard. Like it was such a hearty, caught off guard laugh. Like I was not expecting that to be the bit because I knew the routine up for something like she's bringing tech support something wacky is going to happen but I didn't think that the tech support guys were imprisoned in the very device that they were providing tech support
0: and because it does does that screen that famous trope the TV thing where like she rings somebody and half the the screen is her with the phone and the other half is the person with the the thing on their ear you know so you're like oh yeah it's just like and then that's what makes it so good that they just jump out and they're like yeah get out of here it's (laughs) so
1: funny it's so funny (laughs) oh it's amazing yeah, and I, it's, it's one of those situations where like there's so many episodes and moments that like I could probably call out, but uh...
0: but that's I I love that moment as well. Actually, it's I'm glad you said that. It, it's funny because like even uh, like like with other media, we might cover this another time. Maybe go back, we might do another discussion because there's just so many things to talk about. That the universe is so large, but I will say because we've even kind of we've always said that Rick's voice is so good, and I like doing the voice. And even when we were talking about them, we put on like you put on you almost try to put on the tone they have. And that's why it's so weird because I read the Rick and Morty comic, which. As a comic fan, you think I would love? I, just, I I read one volume and done. I I put it away and never touched it again. Can't do. It's it. just not. It's just not. Because you just lose so much without the kind of Morty and like we, without the improvisational style that like Justin Ryland has and the kind of funny voices and random shit he says. Like you just can't ape that in a comic. So it just I don't know I feel like it misses something. But again, we should probably talk about that 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 on some other stage because. We're getting fairly late on in the old stage now in the episode.
1: Oh, you're telling me. You're telling um, me. Dear.
0: Yeah, so that was a Rick and Morty discussion. So basically, look, we love it. It's a great show. Check it out, guys, and check out Community. Look, one last thing to say. I'm a little bit worried that there's another, like, 72 episodes planned because, like you said, ugh, it, it does seem to be maybe yeah. hitting its stride, and maybe that has to do with the type of show it is. Maybe it is a it is a short burst hilarity and then move on. But who knows? who
1: knows? I think, yeah, to its own detriment, it actually, it didn't start the way a lot of sitcoms start where they start off a little bit wobbly yeah. and it takes them two or three seasons to find their feet before they hit the stride. Like, they were, by season two, oh. they were at the pinnacle. At, were, at, so at like, the pinnacle. They're right? at their zenith. So, like, you're you're talking about maintaining that is just very difficult. And also, you've got, you know, ardent fans who have these high expectations of what they know the show is capable of and they just want the same level of quality. It, it's just,
0: yeah, and it's like if it's not every time, it's like, what's the? Why isn't it like this every time? You know, so oh, one hundred percent.
1: But yeah, no, great show. And yeah, again, like we said, if if you feel like you're unsure about it, and you, won't, you know, you're one of the people who hasn't watched it, just Google Rick and Morty Plumbus, and if that kind of humor <laughs> appeals to you, you're off to the races. Off, you, you're just tear into it.
0: That that's it. That that's as good a recommendation as I can say. But look, everybody, we've come to the end of yet another episode and, and we finally who you you? finally got our Rick and Morty discussion in, which I'm going to be honest with you. We wanted to do because we have a cool picture to put up on Twitter and stuff like that where we're raring to use for I forgot
1: that was in the back. Oh, button. I didn't. Oh, you oh, crafty I didn't. fecker.
0: No, you... <laughs> God, no, I'll never forget that. But Rob, tell the people. Yes, hello. Where they can find us.
1: Oh, Jesus Christ. So we have a website capunderstands.com. You might as well start there if you want to. Uh, We also have, um, uh, there's an email address uh, appended to that website, Uh, The lads at capunderstands.com. You can email us. Uh, How fun is that Uh, email address? It's a great crack altogether. You can also do soundcloud.com forward slash capunderstands. That's where you'll find kind of, that's where we put up all the original recordings. But of course, if you've got your phone, you you can play us on any podcast player of choice, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Ooh, there's other ones. I know we're on Google Podcasts there's also the pod uh, chaser uh site that i think we're on the pod nation group there as well what a lovely bunch of folks uh pod jesus i only forgot about that that which was freaking me out that i wasn't gonna <laughs> remember that one uh, we're any anywhere you can find a podcast we somehow are on there um which always kind of baffles me
0: yeah new one called cephalopod as well so hopefully that'll that'll take off so
1: cephalopod what is that referencing that title
0: I assume there's like an en- something an encephalopod or something. I think. I-, I mean, I, I, hey, I don't know. I, yeah, What are you doing here, Rob? Huh? What are you?
1: What, what are you doing here? <laughs> That's very good. I just, I need a burp or a fart. I know, and I mean, like,
0: if I had, uh, I've already finished that beer I had earlier. If that was still kind of in my system, I, t- I probably would have been able to. But- but nobody wants to hear that. Let's be both honest. <laughs> but look, with with that bombshell that I drank a beer earlier in Cadbelt, uh, I guess uh, all that all that's left all that's left to say is, is that I've been Ross.
1: Oh, oh, geez, man, that I've been Robin Elizabeth. Ugh, I can't do it. This has been Iron understood the reference. Thanks for listening, yo, scallywags. God damn! <laughs>
0: we